Who do you think you are? I mean that not in the offended who do you think you are to say something like that. But honestly, when you look at yourself, when you think about yourself, when you look at yourself in the mirror, who do you think that you are? How do you perceive yourself? What role do you see yourself playing in this world? If life is a movie, then you see yourself as some kind of character. And I want to make the argument and want to talk over the next few weeks about how the way you see yourself says a lot about the part you play. And that actually the Bible has a lot to say about who you are. And I think we ought to listen to it. To take a look at this, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. There's just a few texts from Ephesians. We think Paul wrote this book, maybe even wrote from prison towards the end of his life, writing to this church that he had been involved with earlier in his ministry. And he writes to them to say some important things. He, he's not sure at this point in his life that he's really going to get to see these people again. And so a lot of this is important instructions for them and I think for us. The passage this morning is up here on the screen. And what I'd like you to do is when there's a word or phrase that's underlined and bolded, you can see two here in the first verse. What I'd like us all to do is say those things together. So if you could follow along, uh, that would be great. From Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints. Okay, let's try that a little bit louder, ready? Saints, better, who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is an amazing text, and there's a lot of really important things in here. The first thing that stands out to me is right from the beginning, Paul addresses the Ephesians as saints. 
The Greek word there is really the word for holiness, uh, and it's put in the form of a noun. So it means holy ones, a word that's used pretty often in the New Testament, a word that's only ever used in the plural, never used in the singular. When we hear saints, we as people tend to get a little nervous because we're not totally sure what we're talking about here. Uh, it, it brings up instantly for some of us Catholic roots where we prayed to and revered the saints. Although I think as Protestants, we have really missed out on some of that. Not that I think we should pray to saints, but I think there are some wonderful stories of the saints that are a great inspiration to us that often as Protestants we miss out on. The other thing that comes to mind maybe after that stuff is the idea of being perfect, right? That's the way we typically use it. Oh, that person's a saint, as if they've never done anything wrong. Of course, it's not true of the saints. If you go back and read the stories of the saints, uh, they made mistakes, had flaws. They were, in fact, sinners. We know from Scripture that we're all sinners. The Ephesians were definitely sinners. They were in a town that was known for some partying and from worship of other gods. Many of these people had very colorful backgrounds. How can Paul call these people saints? They are not saints. You and I are not saints. Or else are we? I think the answer to this dilemma lies in this phrase in Christ that we see in this text 12 times in this 14 verses. Some kind of through Christ or in Him or in the Beloved. In fact, did you know, many of us when we describe ourselves might, might describe ourselves as Christian. Do you know the word Christian is only in the Bible three times? Christian is a much later description and in fact it's not even really used of the church. It's used in the book of Acts by people describing these people that are Christians, that are acting like Christ or following Christ. That was not a term that the church used. It was a term that people outside the church used and the church took on later. What phrase does show up a lot in the New Testament is this idea of being in Christ. In fact, Paul uses some kind of very Uh, variation of that phrase 216 times in his letters word Christian three Paul uses in Christ 216 times this is the word this is the phrase that it seems like Christians really used to describe themselves they might have said that they followed the way or they were followers of Jesus but it seems like this phrase in Christ became a, a definitive identity for Christians The question is, what does in Christ mean? In what sense are we in Christ? And it seems like in the Bible, even in these verses, in Christ can have different connotations. It could be used just like the word Christian. Oh, those are people that are in Christ. In other words, saying that they're followers of Christ. Could mean that we, it could be referring to the object of our faith. As in, our hope is in Christ. Or we believed in Christ. To believe in something. It could have an instrumental meaning. That could mean by means of or through the agency of whom. In fact, it says, He predestined us for the adoptions of sons through Jesus Christ. That means through Him, through His works. Could mean under the power of Christ, independence of Christ. But I wonder if a lot of times, and scholars debate this, 
But I wonder if often it actually means more like a location. That I'm in Christ. Inside of Christ. In fact, this seems to make sense to me with the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. And my words abide in you. Let me see if I can make sense of this for you. This is a little minion from the movie Despicable Me. It's what I could find that would work in my kids' toys. Okay? Let's say that this little minion is you. And we know from the Bible that you and I are sinners. We know that, that we all sin. We all do wrong things. We all fail to do the right things that we do, uh, that we should do. And so there is this sin. There is this longing to do wrong in our lives. And so this is little minion, but uh, he's, he's a sinner. Here's what I think happens. I think that we are, in the power of the Holy Spirit, put into Christ. Let's say this jar is Christ. There you go. That's a little you in Christ. You are inside of Christ. And, and the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians says a bunch of things about what happens and what is true of you when you are in Christ. Let's look at a few of them. Right, going right down this text. First of all, you're a saint. Are you a sinner? Yeah. But when God looks at you and you're in Christ, He doesn't see you as a sinner anymore because He's seeing through Christ. So what does He see? He sees Christ's perfect life. He sees, you know, if you're going to see this minion, you're going to have to look through Christ. And so you're going to see Christ's sacrifice. That yeah, there's sin in there, but, but that sin is already paid for because this person's in Christ. And so even though there's some stuff going on inside you that might still look like sinner, and there's a process we call sanctification where the minion slowly becomes, and becomes more and more holy. In God's eyes, you're considered holy. You're, already, you're becoming what you already are because you're in Christ. We are blessed. Paul reminds these Ephesians that they are blessed in Christ. That they are holy and blameless. Not just considered blameless, but God is making them holy and perfect and blameless. That we are chosen. People get really wrapped up around these words. Um, that he was, we were chosen. That we were predestined. But, but what, what it's saying is, and we sang it in the song early, earlier when we said, because he first loved me, I loved him. That it is so much not about us, that we didn't do anything to get into Christ. But that it's, it's Christ doing something that puts us in Christ. And Paul is so sure of that. And so many theologians over the years are so sure of that. That they talk about us being predestined. That God chose before the foundation of the world that he was going to save you. That he was going to save you. That he was going to call you. That he was going to put you in Christ. In Christ there is redemption and forgiveness. It has this sense of freedom when you're in Christ. Because all that sin that you had in the past, you're over. You're done with. You can be free from. Free from bad habits. Paul promises them wisdom and insight. Understanding God's mysteries. And God's will and God's purpose. Think about that. When you're in Christ... All kinds of things that get confusing to a lot of other people. Christ guides you along the way. Shows you how to live. Shows you what to, what to do. Guides your decisions. God has this plan at work, says Paul, to unite all things in Christ. 
means that the whole world is someday going to be in a jar. Going to someday have Christ totally around it. And that God gives us work, according to Ephesians. That God calls us to be part of that work of putting all things in Christ. That we have an inheritance. That God has given us promises that we can cling to. That we have hope. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about how the, the hope that we have, even though we go through difficult things, if we're in Christ, we have an, an assurance, some protection, that we know that God has plans, that God is with us. I don't know how people go through life and go through the difficulty of life and don't have that hope. I just don't understand it. I can't understand how that works. That we are sealed, sealed in the promises by the Holy Spirit that God, God says, you didn't get into the jar. You didn't get into Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is going to keep you. That our inheritance is guaranteed by Christ's work and by the work of the Holy Spirit. I hope this image is helpful for you. I think it's helpful. The question is, why does Paul tell the Ephesians this? Why does Paul feel the need to write to this church and remind them that they're saints? Remind them of the promises that they have in Christ. Especially if we're assured that our inheritance is guaranteed. Well, even though our inheritance is guaranteed, I think the real issue is that sometimes we, as people, make decisions in our life where we decide not to live in Christ anymore. Where we decide to live life on our own, without Christ. We don't care about God's will. We don't care about how God wants us to live. We want to do our own thing. And the problem is, when you are not living in Christ, you start living as if these truths that I just said, these wonderful words of hope that Paul gives to the Ephesians are not true. All of a sudden, I don't have hope. Because I'm not living in Christ, I'm living in myself. All of a sudden, I don't have wisdom and insight. I don't understand all the mysteries of God. Because I'm not in Christ, I'm doing it on my own. All of a sudden, I don't feel blessed. All of a sudden, I don't look much like a saint. All of a sudden, those things that are inside me that the Holy Spirit is changing over time in Christ, I don't have, if I'm not living in Christ, then I don't have anything to really keep those things at bay. And suddenly, I start really making some terrible decisions. I don't have that promise. I don't have that hope. Suddenly, we start to look a lot less like a saint and a lot more like a sinner. We need to live our lives in Christ. We need to make decisions and build habits that say, you know what, the ultimate identity, who I think I am, is not just a a vague word called Christian. I think I'm in Christ. This is who I am. And if this is who I am, I'm going to make decisions that are going to reflect that. I'm going to live a life that reflects that. And how how do you do that? I think to remember who you are, you, you need to be reminded I think you need to be reminded. It's why we come to church. It's why it's bad when you miss a lot of church. Not just because we miss you here, but because you need to be reminded because the world does not have this identity in mind for you. And the TV does not have this identity in mind for you. We need to be reminded. We need to have friends that will remind us. We need to build habits to remind us. Like reading scripture. Like prayer. Like, like taking time for silence. We also sometimes need to be reminded that we're sinners. That sounds weird. 
But I think it's when we know that we're sinners that we can really remember the grace that Christ has given to us. It's why every Sunday we have some sort of confession. Because we need to be reminded that we've done bad things and we need to always be reminded, not just that we've done bad things, but that we're not a sinner anymore, but that thanks to what Christ has done, we are a saint. That's one of the reasons why we do communion. Because at communion, we come to the table and we remember who we are because we remember whose we are. We remember the work of Christ that put us in Christ. It gave us the opportunity to live differently. And we were reminded as we eat the bread, as we drink the juice, that it is Christ who sustains us from the journey and that nothing else will do. Let us pray. Lord, help us to see ourselves as you see us, as saints. Not because of what we have done, but only that you are our hope and our assurance. As we move toward communion, remind us of your love. Amen.